Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are listening to Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. You're listening to Metal Shop here on The Rock, uh, and we're talking with Steve Austin from Today is the Day. Kind of the the, the mastermind behind that noise and, and metal, just the... The insanity that is today is the day they have their uh, new album called No Good to Anyone. You've probably heard it here on Metal Shop. No Good to Anyone is available on BMG Records. It's their first album in six years. Uh, first off, man, the world is kind of crazy all around us. We're probably in our in our in our living rooms in our bedrooms recording this. Uh, how are you holding up, Steve? And, and what are you doing to keep you busy, man? Um, well, you know, I luckily had a bunch of car repairs that sucked, and uh, I decided that since I'm stuck here at my house, that I should probably get everything working that quit working when I went on a tour. So I dived into getting rid of a check engine light off of my Jeep, and then got uh, replaced the valve cover gasket and uh, coolant hose and plugs and oil change and filter on my wife's car. Yeah. And uh, and then that kind of took up a lot of time. Then I also fixed our generator that when the power goes out, uh, we used to run electricity in our house, and mm-hmm. uh, it wouldn't run, and I got it to run. So as of, like, yesterday, I got all things mechanical working around my yes. pad. And, you know. Dude, that's awesome! It sounds like uh, you're definitely using this time to to take care of business, and uh, it's it's actually something to kind of channel your energy and, and uh, everything into. That so that's positive, man. Yeah, it's great. You know, on the music end of things, it, you know, when I got back from tour, I immediately wanted to start writing new songs and stuff, and uh, it's like there was so much to attend to just with everything going on and being prepared with enough food in the house and water and propane for our stove. Yep. And, you know, we heat our house off of wood. We have a, like a pretty primitive, cool house on a little lake up here in Maine. And we're, we live way, way far out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Um, and, uh, so it's like stuff like having a generator, enough propane, uh, enough food, you know, all that's like really important mm-hmm. in times like these as a survivalist. And so me and my wife just uh, got all that stuff together over the first week and uh, of me being back home from tour. And then, you know, it's like from there, I finally kind of cooled down to where I could wrap my head around music. And it was a pretty magical night. I walked in there a couple nights ago and 
sat down at a MOOC uh, subsequent 37, and I ended up, like, ripping out this song by stream of thought over, like, about a 15, 20-minute period of time. And it was so weird because, like, I don't know whether it was being on tour and excited about music or just whatever, you know, wanting to say something. And the next thing you know, it was like, play play keyboard part one mm-hmm. no revision play keyboard part two no revision play keyboard part three no revision assembling of parts all in a row as they came out next thing you know really cool song that's like magical <laughs> so, moment uh, dude so you know you just gotta you know i guess just take it real you know be concerned when you need to be and then try to be creative or make forward progress in other ways, you know, when, when you can. Absolutely, dude. That sounds like kind of a magical moment for you. And dude, that's uh the inspiration is a flowing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it can't be forced. It's like, it, it's gotta be natural. And I mm-hmm. think that for me, like uh, clearing the clutter out of my life a lot of trying to like, just get, you know, get the things that are most important out of the way mm-hmm. so that then I can, kind of chill and you know do it the way it's meant to be which is for fun you know like you're just having a good time and having fun and trying to make something up interesting and you know i think a lot of times when you feel like that you're going to end up saying more truer statements and musically than you would if you were trying to write a song yeah, man, just let it come naturally, and, and it sounds like you you have certainly kind of uh, broken off and and, and uh, gone off into uh, a zone where uh, you know you don't have a lot of distractions. You, you were talking about kind of living in more of a primitive uh, outsider uh, in your own kind of uh, area up in Maine. That sounds amazing, and also uh, to be honest, it sounds kind of I'm kind of jealous because I'm stuck in a city where uh, well, I love Seattle. Don't get you wrong, but um, you know it's a, it's kind of scary right now but it sounds kind I'm of sure yeah. <laughs> um yeah you know i tell you it, it's it, it is an odd bonus of like where we live and i feel for folks who are in you know close-knit communities yep. where there's a lot of folks uh really on edge and nervous about what's going to happen because because they can't avoid almost being around each other and mm-hmm. you know i I've always liked living connected to the outdoors a lot. And so, like, when I grew up in Tennessee, I lived out on a farm. And then, you know, later I had my studio in Nashville, but, like, still lived outside the city. And then when, you know, we decided to make the move up here, um, yeah, a lot of peace and isolation was in mind of, like, being able to live your life and do your thing and, you know, do what you want to do with no restrictions. And so we found this place up here. And, you know, when I came home from tour, leaving Austin, Texas, which was a hotbed of COVID-19, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I woke up the next day and I was here at my pad and I realized like, wow, you know, it. I mean, luckily for us, we're in a lot of ways, essentially, I wouldn't say a million miles away from all of this going on, but we're definitely disconnected from a lot. I mean, we see no one, you know, there's no one on our street or road or anything. And you know, we don't really go out that much either, as far as unless we're just going to the grocery store, mm-hmm. um, our auto parts store. Um, but, uh, 
But I think for other people that are in tighter areas, I mean, I could imagine the stress stress levels got to be through the roof, you know. For sure, and, and and you were just experiencing it, being out on the road and kind of having to end that soon. Uh, obviously, like the Seattle date, it didn't happen, but a, a lot of dates didn't happen on tour. What was that like being on tour um, during when all this was coming down? And then um, was it you that uh, was it you guys that had to finally make that call, or was it just the venues kind of just shutting down? Or what was that like? Well, you know, we we all pretty much because most of my folks that I tour with that are band members or crew, you know, they're pretty intellectual dudes. And um, when all this started, more or less, it started becoming more of a, a current topic at the beginning, like the very beginning of the tour. Yeah. And so a week into it, uh, about the time that we hooked up with Child Bite, actually, like when we, when we completed the Obsessed portion, um, that was when I guess the first like conversation came up about, you know, we're hearing lots of reports about different things getting shut down, different mm-hmm. tours getting shut down yep. and um, everything escalated pretty fast. Like within a few days, it went from hearing of a couple tours here and there or a festival here or there to it sounded like 50% of touring was dropping off. Yep. And um, so like the last week that led up to this, you know, the consensus from all of us was as long as everything is still going on and as long as there are people that are really, you know, coming to go see the show, yeah. then we owe it to everybody to, you know, wash our hands, be cool, stay away from everybody, but like commit, you know, follow our commitment that we promised to come yeah. and play. And so as it started to get towards Austin, Texas, we played a show in uh, El, uh, San Antonio the day before, and that one was very indicative of the first moment that you could tell that something serious is really going on about the tour and any other tours or whatever else, because San Antonio is a pretty rocking town, mm-hmm. and there were only a very, very few people that came, and you could tell that the whole staff and the club and everything. And when we went back that night, I was, you know, a little concerned. And I basically said to our guys, like, you know, Austin and Dallas are Friday and Saturday night. Why don't we see what happens there? And if it appears like this is going to get out of control, then, then then we'll make a move at that time. So long story short, the next day we played in Austin. It's one of my favorite clubs and it rocked out. But after it was over with, I started to think about it, and I was like, you know, within one day, a couple of different shows got canceled, Albuquerque, Dallas for the next day, yep. and then Los Angeles was getting rescheduled, and I had a hunch that all of California would probably shut down all shows within a few days or a couple of days, and that's where we were headed. So it was a big commitment to go from Austin all the way to the West Coast, which was another 1,500 miles. Um, and we live diametrically opposite from it. Mm-hmm. So I I thought about it, and I just I, – it, it was so hard, I, not to sound corny, but I the tour meant so much to me. I, I think a few t- tears might have burst from my eyes when I was laying in bed that night just thinking about the concept that we would have to withdraw – and um, 
So the next day when I woke up and told everybody this, uh, that we would now return home and that would be that for now, um, about an hour later, the guys from Child Bite wrote me and said, hey, Steve, man, you must have had one heck of a crystal ball because California just shut down every single show uh, on the West Coast there and everything. So it wouldn't have been able to happen anyway. <sighs> Well, you made the right call, dude, and and that's the thing is like they're suggesting like no more than like two or three people in, in like a, in a range of it's just not it's just not uh, you know I'm sure you guys will get back on the road as soon as possible or whenever you can and, and make those shows up and you know we'll I think that at the end of this whatever timeline that means who knows everything is unsure right now but uh, whenever that is dude people are gonna be so so ready to just. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I look to the future now a lot, a lot about it. I mean, at the time, because there was so much uncertainty about exactly what was really going on, Mm -hmm. it's like I think it really rocked a lot of musicians there for a second of like, oh my god, like this is crazy. But you know, I look at it like. You know, it's something that we got to do and that we got to get through. And it, it, if it wasn't that big of a deal, then we wouldn't be dealing with it right now. Mm-hmm. And, and it is. So it's like, you know, looking to the future, I, I just look at all those shows that we did fortunate enough get to play the first 17 of that tour. That that was like a tour in itself. Yeah. And um they were all amazing. So it's like with the new album out and everything, it might be a couple months, a few months. I, I don't know when, but the minute that everything's green lighted again and cool for everybody to safely go out to shows, then yeah, we're going to be right back there and right back to Seattle. And people are going to be so ready to just like have that pure sonic like therapy, just the, like the the loud riffs in your face, loud amps. We're just going to drown ourselves in all these last couple months of craziness, and it's going to be a, it's going to be <laughs> like agree. a triumph. I agree, I agree, man. I th- and you know what? If there's you always got to look at life of like learning lessons of things that you take away from, yeah. from the bad that are the good. And one thing that I think that this is going to do is it seems like ever since the smartphone age began, we've gravitated more and more and more to a level of maybe sometimes a lesser enthusiasm for a lot of things because everything's so quicker and accessible on our phones. And then maybe sometimes we don't take shows with appreciation, maybe a little less for granted because there's so many shows going on all the time and you're saturated with them. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's understandable a lot of it, but at the same time, I think that some of the complacency that fell in there where it's like, I, you know, I've got my smartphone, I've got a million different things I can look at, check at, check out, whatever, at, at any given minute, and shows, oh, my God, that here's a million notifications from all these different bands about all these different shows. Which one would I even go to? You know, it's like now that when you get something taken away for a minute, it kind of like re- revitalizes the feeling behind yeah. like, oh, you know what? Like, man, oh, I see that so-and-so's coming to play. God, you know what? I want to go, man, I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to rock out so hard. Like, this is going to be so much fun. Yes. And it's like you, you. sometimes we all lose that feeling a little bit in this immediacy of technology where – 
we're aware of every single show, even ones that we wouldn't care about, say, like, there's so many, you know. So I think that it's going to it's gonna galvanize the music scene a whole lot where mm-hmm. once it turns back on, I think a lot of people are going to be like, you know, this is a part of freedom that we have about being able to pick whatever psychotic band or crazy band yeah. about like whatever you know ripping arms off or punching eyeballs out or yes. whatever. and you know this this freedom is like a great thing and right now we don't have it but like once we do get it back i think it's gonna kind of restart the clock a bit about music where you'll see maybe more people out at shows than there were before Dude, I I totally agree, and and I'm looking forward to that moment, man. Um, Me too. So if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Steve Austin from Today is the Day. Uh, No Good to Anyone is available now. Killer record. Um, But, you know, a lot of people, I'm sure, are feeling stressed out, anxious, not not trying to get into that feedback loop of things. People want uh, kind of an outlet. Uh, For you, personally, what's an album that you can put on that will help you out if you're feeling stressed, anxious, or kind of stuck in your own head? You know, anything by Miles Davis and especially mm-hmm. Bitches Brew album. Yeah. And the main reason why is not so much as it's comforting music as much as it is it's comfort to me mentally because when I listen to like improvisational psychedelic jazz or stuff like that where it's ever changing and ever evolving, I find that my mind starts to track the music and where it's all leading to and where it's going to. And it takes me, it takes my mind out of a place where it's constantly calculating and fretting over things and figuring and analyzing it. It's more like you can't, you're not allowed to do that when you're listening to that music because that music is so free form that, uh, you just got to kind of experience it while it's going on. So that, that would probably be my jam. Bitches Brew. All right, man. I, I would, I would definitely, I got turned on to that when I worked at a record store uh, for many years. My uh, boss, he knew that I liked like metal and, 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 uh, death, sure. and death metal and grindcore and stuff. And one time he put on John Zorn and Naked City and, uh, oh, yeah. and, and that just blew my mind. And then he just started putting on some more improvisational stuff. He put on Miles Davis, he put on, uh, the Bitches Brew, he put on Albert Eiler, stuff that just like totally blew my mind. And I was like, wow, this is like the grind core of jazz yeah no i hear you it's it's a lot of different musics like that really blow my like you mentioned john zorn like that naked city yeah is is great you know it's like i mean i I just i i find it for me as a change of pace from like either heavy metal or noise or hard rock or whatever it is like that for me, it, it can totally change the vibe in my house. Like, yeah. I'll be, like, doing stuff and be, like, aggravated or whatever, and then I'll put on, like, Miles Davis' channel on Pandora, and it'll play all kinds of various musics that are along that line. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you just have this kind of, like, at-ease, cool feel. And it's, it, I don't know, I just, for me, that's kind of relaxing. Dude. I uh, I totally agree, man, and and I've actually found myself uh, as as if I'm stressed out, if I have to run some errands, the uh, the small uh, you know percentage of time that I actually go outside the house, I find myself listening to classical music, and I've never been a huge classical music fan, but I just put on our local classical music station, and it's so uh, soothing for me, and it's like, man, I I think I need to make a deep dive into some comp- composers. 
Yeah, it's probably because it's like a, a your sensory, like with your brain and everything hearing that. I think that another reason why sometimes music like that can make people feel like that is because it's putting you in a completely different vibe than you're normally in ever like me it's not like you're in a classical vibe all day long or something but all of a sudden if you put on like stravinsky or mozart or something like that Mm -hmm. and you you know you're you're and you're not like focusing right on it like let's say you're doing a task or cleaning up your living room or something and that's on your your brain is wired to uh, where it's inputting this different kind of atmosphere of music and therefore it's it's kind of like a safe place to be it's a, it's a good place to be because it, it's it's not it's not wired into other things that automatically elicit a response from you so that's probably you know that's probably part of why you're speaking my language here i like uh hearing you your take on that that's i appreciate it and something you know i gotta gotta mention is that like listening through the album and also listening to um your past albums specifically uh like sadness will prevail and some of your earlier albums uh like you are 100% incredibly raw, honest, and it's sometimes it's like I'm sure it's got to be uncomfortable for you. Uh, but with your lyrics and your material, uh, I was curious when you first started Today is the Day, did it take you a while to open up like this and, and be so raw with your art? Or is that something, is that how you've always been with creating your art? You know, it, it's weird because I think that I was probably a little bit inhibited at first when I started to just sing because in singing, you know, you're you're more or less opening up and letting out something. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I would go to go do that, you know, I think there was a little bit of like inhibition at first about doing it, but I was so inspired by like other singers who I thought really opened up and like let it out yeah. that you know, I wanted to, um, I wanted to like do that too. And, and for me, like the way I could do it would be more like crafting these songs and the words out of either like stories that are real mm-hmm. or stories that are like fantasy stories. And, and all of that would be under the header of, you know, when it comes to performing on stage or on recording, anything goes and and you there's no rules and you could do like whatever you want to and so for me being pretty pissed off about life and stuff like that a lot of times you know a a lot of the things that i would try to expose are like things that deal with like self-hate and the ugliness of not liking oneself and i feel like that if you don't do stuff like that then it's impossible to really be truthful as an artist because so many people try to be cool or whatever in front of everyone else. And I guess that always means that you're coming from like a winning position or the hero or whatever else, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think that like, whenever you are being honest about uh, music, you know, you're, you're including your ugliest moments, your, your most awesome moments, your, Hate, hateful moments, your loving moments, and that's the composition of a real person. All of it. Take, give it all. Raw. Yeah. 100% unfiltered. I like that, dude. 
and I can tell. I can certainly tell, like, uh, and from from the new album too, and and the varying like there's songs on there that are like ballads, and uh, you know, like heavy emotional ballads, but then there's just raw like punch you in the gut, like heavy jams, and uh, dude, it's a it's a killer record. So I just wanted to say that. No, thank you. You know, I I just wanted it to have the album follow along the same lines of what you and I were just talking about, about it being a natural thing, because a lot of the records that blow my mind, like Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here, mm-hmm. or The Wall by Pink Floyd, um, from the early 1970s, a lot of those prog rock albums had moments where there's detonating, like distortion on guitars, yeah. and echo, and psychedelia. But then there's also moments that are pretty tender that involve like acoustic guitars or other lighter type of instruments. And, you know, the records were not pointed at being just in one genre of music. Like, for instance, like Pink Floyd is like music. It it is got elements of psychedelia and heavy metal and whatever else, prog rock in it. But like it's like it's 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 its own music, and mm-hmm. I think by letting yourself make records like that, where in one day you're feeling like smashing everything in the house, but then maybe the next day you feel like sitting and petting your dog and thinking about like how amazing your dog is, and that you wouldn't take anything in the world for that dog, and it's like you know, and so these different moods and feelings like you know i think as a normal human like myself here trying to relate to like i find that things that that just come across like that are more believable and real to me than than things that are all pointed in one direction yeah man you just all the range of emotions and you yeah those albums that you mentioned like pink floyd and, and and those things like obviously um, you know, huge albums, but I, you know, even if it's embarrassing, I'm curious, Steve, what was the first album that you purchased on your own? Whether it, I'm, I'm sure it was like a vinyl or, or cassette tape or, you know, first physical piece of uh, music that you purchased on your own, not given to you by a cooler older brother or your parents was the first one right. you used I your own. Money for. ACDC back in black. Nice. Right on. A dude down the street played that for me on a, a turntable and, and then plugged in a guitar and started rocking to that. Yeah. He was a couple of years older than me. And when I saw him do that, I was like, you know, if, if uh, Jamie can do this, then I'll bet you any money I could probably do this. And so I bought back in black and then I, uh, sat down with a guitar and just kept playing it over and over and over again. And I yeah. think by the time I got done, I was able to perform the the whole album like on both, both sides of the LP, flipping it over. That's and, awesome. <laughs> and so it was funny because it, it not only was like the first rock music that blew my mind, but it also became like the first rock music, I guess, that I ended up learning how to play on guitar or whatever. That's cool, man. And uh, and and then what about like your first concert or uh, like first uh, experience at a live concert? Do you remember what it was? Yeah, I think that one had a big impact too. That was Judas Priest screaming nice. for vengeance, or um, it was at Na- Nashville Municipal Auditorium. Yeah. And back then, like there were no barricades and there were no 
like security dudes across the front mm-hmm. in front of the stage and the stage was like about five feet off the ground uh so like if you were lucky enough to make it all the way to the front and center of the stage or whatever like you know glenn tipton or rob hoffer would be like their feet would be li- literally at the top of that that's awesome you know five foot stage yeah and um, me and my friend, like, we ran in there, ran right up to the front of the stage, get, you know, got pressed in with, like, a crowd of, like, tons of bikers and, like, all kinds of tripped-out-looking people from Nashville that were there to see the concert. Yes. And, uh, you know, so us, like, two little boys that were, like, 13 years old, we were, like, you know, going, like, wow, this is, like, totally crazy. And, that, you know, the next thing you know, they uh, they – unveiled their stage set and it was like 26 stacks of marshall cabinets and yes back then you know they were all like turned on yeah. and playing because like those dudes came out and they immediately went into the hellion that goes into electric eye yes and um oh my god like like the second the hellion started playing you could feel by putting your hands on that stage you can feel the volume where all that turned on and um boy after i I went to that concert one thing was for sure was that i liked the concept of like full stacks or whatever Mm -hmm. and (laughs) and heavy metal (laughs) yeah and because because at that point those weren't props that was the real effing deal man Oh yeah, and you can tell. I mean, I think for anybody who's ever seen a concert where literally everything like that is plugged in, and there's a lot of them. Like it's like, I mean, it is. You know, if if you think about it, me as a kid, 13 years old, living out on a farm in Lebanon, Tennessee, volume-wise, I had never heard any kind of sound like other than probably a gunshot that was like that loud. Yeah. And, you know, suddenly you're standing in front of these dudes from England ripping this like, you know, pre thrash speed hard rock yep. metal insanity. And uh it was just it was life changing. Like I, I love Jesus Priest to this day and and I, I'll never forget that being like the first big one I went to. That's amazing, man. And I actually saw Judas Priest last year, and they're a killer, dude. And they're still still ripping it. I'm, I'm sure it doesn't hold up to, like, you know, that being my – I, I wasn't there when, with you. But at the same time, they still they still bring it, man. So, um. oh, Those guys in Iron Maiden are a testament to, like, if you have a level of standard about yep. your music mm-hmm. and that you're willing to – deliver it every time with the same energy that it's supposed to be delivered and you got that energy even no matter how old you get like i mean jesus like both iron maiden and judas priest i think would blow away probably 85 to 90 percent of live bands that play today 100 percent easily i think like and it's because they just both those bands seem to like no matter how old they get, like they they just have it together. Like they sound like they're improving instead of devolving. Yeah, absolutely, man. Same with Iron Maiden, man. That band is still untouchable. Um, yeah. 
Dude, so we're talking music. We're talking some of our, our, our favorites and, and bands that still have it. I'm curious because we are a Seattle show. We're a Northwest show. You guys have been here plenty of times, uh, and, and there's so much, such a rich history in Northwest music. I got to pin this down, and I'm putting you on the spot. I didn't, you know, sc- we didn't screen questions here. This is all on the fly. What is, or a few of, your favorite Northwest bands or artists of all time? Well, that luckily that area's got that area's got so many good bands. This, mm-hmm. this is an easy one for me, and it's because I love these bands anyway. Like it, you know. Obviously, the Melvins are from yeah. up there, mm-hmm. so they would be the grand poobah of nice. awesomeness. Yeah, and then right right behind them, Soundgarden. Yeah. Was, I think one of the best modern day heavy metal hard rock bands that ever was. And Chris Cornell is, you know, to this day is still a huge inspiration vocally. Like I, I think he sounds sounded amazing in his Mm -hmm. day. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to get to see Nirvana on their bleach tour. Oh man, that's awesome. You know, the sub pop, all those sub pop bands, you know, even though I was living totally across the country, I was into all those sub pop bands mm-hmm. like Mud Honey yep. and Nirvana and Alice in Chains. I mean, Alice in Chains is another one where, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, people who hate hate mainstream rock or are super anti mainstream, like, you know, you can't like Alice in Chains or something like that. And it's like, you know what? Bullshit. It's like I give them credit too. It's like they they might have played like some a little bit more radio friendly metal or whatever. But like you know, when you think about crap, which would be say like Warrant or something, <laughs> Allison Chains is yeah. a far stretch from freaking Warrant. So, um, but uh, no, it's like that that area of the country. I think the same reason why there's a lot of bands from up there is the same reason like up. Like up here in the cold north, because it's like, you know, it seems like the economic environment's kind of rough. And then it's also, there's a lot of, you got to survive the cold and everything. And, you know, the Northwest just busted out with so many awesome bands from up there, man. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it's a great place to, to, to have been from for people that are up there. Dude, absolutely, man. And those are some incredible bands that you mentioned. And, um, you know, uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, Steve Austin. From today is the day. That's who we're talking to, man. Uh, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to talk with, uh, with you. Your new album is incredible. I have one last question, and uh, I feel like you're going to have a good story for, your, for this, but who knows? If you could pick a scar on your body and tell us the story of how you got it, Steve. Well, I'd say my most fun one is I've got a scar that's right in the, it's on the right front of my forehead. Um, and that came from Lubbock, Texas. We Uh-oh. were down there playing a show and um, we were playing this song called Pinnacle where I don't play guitar and I just sing. Mm-hmm. And our drummer who had a habit of breaking cymbals like crazy. He had a couple of them on the front of his kit that big giant chunks had been knocked out where it looks like something took a bite out of them. And um, so in the middle of playing this song, I got a little overexcited and started rocking out over near where his drum set was. And when I went to go headbang down, my head happened to 
like hit the jagged end of uh, one of his symbols, and the symbol itself stuck in to my skull in the front of my uh, forehead. And I reached down and grabbed the symbol and kind of like wrestled it a bit, and then it popped out of the bone that it was stuck into. And then um, we ended up keeping rocking through the rest of the song and stuff. And I I didn't think much about it. And um, then when the song was over with, I was looking at all the kids in front of me and they're, they, uh, they had like a pretty horrific look on their face. So it made (laughs) me think like that maybe it was like a little bit worse than I thought it was. Uh And um, so I, uh, I went to the bathroom and I ended up kind of taking a look and I, it just, you know, it cut my forehead open. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to the hospital or anything. Yeah. And it, you know, made a made an indentation or cut into my bone there where it got stuck. Um, but the worst part about that whole thing was that I was wearing one of my absolute favorite T-shirts, Aww. which was this uh, AC uh, T-shirt yep. that was yep. called, it was a 1988 uh, called, called like, fiendish bull insurance needed or something like it had like a grim reaper and it was saying like that if you went to their show life insurance was needed or something (laughs) just this really badass shirt yeah and so that shirt was soaked in blood and i took it off and set it on the back of the toilet and you know we i was kind of disoriented a little bit you know from it all we ended up getting in the car and we left the next morning and drove about an hour or more away. And then all of a sudden it came to me. I was like, where the hell is my AC shirt at? Oh. Like, and I'm like, Oh my God. It's not the anal room. I'm not leaving without that damn shirt. So we turned around, drove back an hour. We went to where we played at, which was a freaking, storage facility like with a dumpster around the back yeah i jumped into the dumpster went through everything in there couldn't find the freaking t-shirt tried to get in the bathroom couldn't get in there the whole thing was a fruitless effort i did not get the damn t-shirt back and then we ended up having to drive an extra hour again to get back to where we were before but uh but like yeah that one that 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 was kind of a crazy one so if you have an anal from that tour or that album that promotional it's gray with black lettering let steve austin know and and send it to him my blood on it and you don't (laughs) want my blood so return that t-shirt to me in maine Awesome, man, dude, Steve. Thank you so much for for answering uh, all my all my uh, punishing questions for you. And uh, is there anything you want to say to the Northwest audience before we let you go for today? I just cannot wait to come rock out with you, dudes. I was absolutely heartbroken to not get to be with y'all and share the experience of the No Good to Anyone tour. Just consider that deal postponed temporarily mm-hmm. for the moment because we're going to be right out there with you again really soon. And if you're troubled right now and you're looking for any source of light or trying to understand anything, 
if you can stream it, if you can steal it, if you can buy it, borrow it, whatever, get hold of No Good to Anyone, lights off, put some headphones on, forget everything that you know, and just let it wash over you and see if it, if it can hopefully, like, maybe comfort you or give you some kind of light. So, anyway, thanks to everybody in Seattle there, and I look forward to seeing you all soon. Dude, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, uh, dude, have, have a good one, and, and stay safe out there, all right? Same way, buddy. Thank uh, you. Yep, take it easy, Steve. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. This has been Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.